Let's look in our Bible in Philippians chapter 4, and this is fantastic. This is just a great book. It really is, and this passage right here has helped me a lot that we're going to look at today. Most of the rest of this chapter has very been, has been very helpful to me. Philippians chapter 4, we'll look at verse 5 through 7. What we're going to talk about today and maybe next week is what we could call, well, it's Paul talks about it, and it's God's Word, but it's, but it's God's remedy for our anxiety. That's really exactly what it's talking about. God's rem- remedy for our anxieties. So Philippians 4, and look at the last uh, verse 5, we'll look at verse 5 through 7. Philippians 4, verse 5, 6, verse, uh, yeah, verse 5, 6, 7. And the book of Philippians, again, is a letter Paul's writing to a church and thanking them for a gift and then instructing them and encouraging them. And here's some of his teaching here towards this last chapter. Verse 5, he says, Philippians 4, verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's read together just verse 6 and 7, okay? Just verse 6 and 7, we'll read it together. Begin. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I heard a pastor say, and I've often pondered it, and maybe it's controversial, but I remember one time being in a large church when I was in college. And I was singing with our tour group for our college. I was in this large church for their service. And the pastor was the founder of that church and um, dealt with a lot of people and dealt with a lot of um, counseling scenarios. And he was preaching from this, the words of Paul here. And he was preaching about Paul. Paul was one who went to prison and still found a way to manifest joy and happiness and contentment. Um, but he was preaching from it, and I think he called the message like jailhouse joy or something like that. And um, he made this statement, I thought, hmm. And he said, if, and he was preaching this and preaching the, the truths that we're seeing today and about being a Christian and learning to um, have basically good mental health. And he said, um, if I could get people to believe the words of Paul, I think I could empty out half of the psychiatric wards. I mean, he very, very bold statement. I thought, hmm, I wonder. And it wasn't some green pastor that said that. He says, I think I could empty out half of the psychiatric wards if I could get people to really believe the words of Paul. Why don't you pause a minute and say, wait a minute, are we misusing the Bible here? Let's look at this for a second. Look at something here. Look at the end of verse 7. Actually, look at verse 7. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and, what does it say? 
minds through Christ Jesus. All right? So then notice the next thing, verse, verse 8. Look at that, what it says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any th- praise, what's the next word? Think on these things. And then look at the next um, verse, verse 9. Those things which ye have, both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. This is talking about peace of mind. These verses, I mean, maybe the whole book, but certainly at least from about verse 5 through 9, it's talking about mental health. Spurgeon said, is anybody really sane? (laughs) You know, are we all, are we really all sane? Maybe not. We all have problems is what he's saying. Um, Mental health issues abound. And I'm not a doctor, by the way, but let's just acknowledge some facts. Mental health issues. Uh, And there's, there's, of course, a spectrum. We're probably all on the spectrum, like I said, somewhere. And it goes from one end to another. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, psychiatric wards, and there's insane asylums, I think they call them that, I don't know. Um, And there's all kinds of drugs, and there's all kinds of uh, therapies and psychologists, and and I'm not giving you my opinion on that stuff right now, that's not my point. But there's all sorts of things that seem to want to respond to our our mental health, right? And there's a place for them. Um, When we have some issues, we, we consult with a counselor. Bible talks about that. It's wise to multitude of counselors. Their safety. Um, there may be a place for you know some psychologists. I don't know much about them. I certainly wouldn't want to do one that's secular. I want somebody who's. By the way, you know what psychologist means? The word literally means the one who studies the soul. Suke is the word soul. It's in your Bible, in the Greek. Uh, sometimes we'll consult with psychologists or therapists or, or friend, and some people consult with nobody, not even God, and they they agonize their they live in agony of their mental health alone. You know this one of the most common mental health issues. You could look it up. It's one of the top, probably three most common mental health issue. One of the top three is anxiety disorders. And when I heard it, it didn't surprise me whatsoever. You know why? Not just because of our culture, but I'm like, because God's word addressed it. That means it must be a dominant thing that recurs throughout time. Anxiety disorders. Paul could have talked about all sorts of, he could have talked about all sorts of mental health issues, but he, he identified being careful. That's anxiety. We all get it for different reasons. Look at the word Paul uses. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, don't misunderstand the word. Be careful. The word he uses is some translations say anxious and nervous and all that. Careful is a great word. It's used exactly like it said, full of care. 
It doesn't mean like be thought, like we say, oh, just be careful, like, oh, take thought of what you're doing there for a moment. It's not like that. It means you're, you have care, I care about this, and 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 I'm just, I'm full of care. That's what the word means. Or you could say you're anxious. And what an outrageous, is this spiritual malpractice? He tells me not to be careful, and he says, well, just, just pray about it. Is this, is this guy going to, should this, somebody hold this guy accountable for this? Is he a liar? Come on, you've already read, you got the gist of what it's talking about. Well, we're going to have to think about this. Paul talks about carefulness. He talks about anxiety. There's different causes for, you know, even the mental health issues. Look, and again, I, I think people, a person ought to do everything they can to figure out if it's depression or PTSD or OCD things. And, and then it gets really crazy, like schizophrenia and psychosis and all kinds of stuff. You're going, whoa, where are we going on this? There's different reasons that people have these things. And sometimes it's a sickness. Sometimes it's genetic where you're genetically disposed. Sometimes you might you might be dealing with a... You know, a, a disease riddled in your body. Uh, it could be established thinking habits that you've been that you have in yourself. It could be um, all kinds of things. But Paul is going to handle the big one that I said is popular. It's anxiety. What do we get full of care about? What do we get full of care about? Man, you can just sit there in your house and not even turn on the TV and you just start thinking about stuff. You're just like, that, got to fix that. That chair's squeaking, got to fix that. I hear that I hear that dishwasher, that's not a good, yeah. And then, and then you're like, oh, I forgot to call my mom. I forgot to tell so's birthday. You could not even turn on the TV or look at your phone and just start thinking yourself full of care and go berserk let alone when you do turn on the TV and find out you're not buying the right shampoo. You know? Some of the shampoo, by the way, is weird. I'm like, Jojoba, Bahamian delight. I'm like, good grief. Are you going to take me on a vacation here or what? You know, I just want to wash my hair. Anyways, you know, there's all kinds of things that will get us, you care about this, do you care about that, do you care about that, do you care... And try to work us up to where we're just full of care. And Paul makes this outlandish statement, don't be full of care about anything. He didn't say don't care about anything. Don't, don't have a full tank. How about this? Some of us guys in here, you have a truck. <clears throat> every car, every vehicle has a payload. It's the maximum amount of weight a vehicle can handle in the, you know, occupied space of the cargo. So trucks usually have a payload of whatever, something for the truck bed. And it'll say something. I don't know what they are. I have no idea. A, a ton. I don't know if it's 2,000 pounds on the typical truck. Um, so if, say if it says that, and then you say, all right, I'm going to put, is that even, that's not even realistic, is it, Derek? Is it ever? Okay. 2,000 pounds, all right. So if you have a truck and you're like, payload's 2,000 pounds, you're like, all right, we can handle that then. And you put 2,000 pounds in your truck every day, day after day after day after day, it'll affect your truck, even though it says it can handle it. 
it'll affect your gas, it'll affect your tires, it'll affect your shocks, it'll start wearing out on you know parts that you didn't know existed. And just because it says it can handle that doesn't mean you should do it every single day. You're going to shorten the life of your vehicle and of the parts on it. And we are those vehicles. Just because I can handle every account and every commitment and every thought, and I think I can, and I can, and I can uh, just because there's, you, you know, for a moment or for a while you can handle all these cares, you can't handle all those cares. They're going to have an effect on you. Why do you think Paul's saying this stuff right here? The, the Philippians had cares. It's 2,000 years ago. There was politics in their day. There was health issues in their day. And it probably filled up their tank, their care tank, to where it was full and it shouldn't be full. We have to find a way as Americans to live without so much care. And prayer is the answer to it, really. That's the gist of the whole message. But think about this before we go any further. You know, like what? There's different things. We're all gonna get. We're all gonna have a malady in our body. Think about the medical effect and things that affect our affect our physical health. Okay. So if you did, you ate right and you exercised and you did all these things, you're still gonna get sick of something and die. Sorry. But what makes it worse is this stuff. All right. So you can accelerate that, and. You know, if I, anxiety and worry, this is another synonymous thing, worry, it will cause sleeplessness, right? And man, there's been times, the, the most sleepless times I've ever had was dealing with stuff with my kids, you know? And um, it was tough, some things. And I hope it's behind me, but we still, we're in halftime right now. We got the other half raised. <laughs> Ball game better go better here. <laughs> no, it's been it's been fine. There's just been a few moments that have been tough. But you, what happens? What's the effect of worry? This is what I'm asking yourselves. What's the effect of worry and anxiety? Sleeplessness, lack of energy. I'm not saying just because you're sleepless and you have a lack of energy that's because of this, but I'm saying it will contribute to that. Anxiety will contribute to that. Um, heart problems, hypertension, muscle tension, um, irritability, right? Yeah, all of us need to be a little less irritable. So why? I'm full of care. I'm full of so many things. You know, it's like, uh, when Martha and Mary and Martha, Jesus came to the house. Mary and Martha, the sisters. Yay, Jesus is here. Mary's like setting everything aside. We're going to listen to Jesus. This is our opportunity. She sits at Jesus' feet, listen to his word. And Martha's different. we got to have everything perfect. You know, and she's decorating and she's serving and she's making sure the food's right. And she's like, Jesus, tell my sister. She doesn't even, she's not even helping me. Tell her about this. And, and Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, you're just careful and troubled about many things, you know? And she was all worked up and full of care. And Jesus said, you don't need to do that right now. One thing's needful. Just He's basically saying, come sit down right here. We'll figure out the food. And, um, but what is it that, um, what happens? We can get low ulcers and all kinds of stuff and digestive problems. And one doctor said, it's not, what you eat that gives you, I don't know if this is true. This is a quote, Steve, okay? So I don't know if this is true. It's not what you eat that gives you ulcers. It's what's eating you. <laughs> That's what the guy said. So uh, so what do I, I'll just tell you, sometimes what, what, what uh, maxes out my payload, my care payload is, you know, if you're dealing with a, 
if it's multiple things at once, particularly, you know, a vehicle issue, bills, kids, uh, spouse, uh, work conflicts, that might be something, uh, hostile relationship with somebody or, or a relative, politics, world crises, and then you're maybe you're an existing health issue that you already have. Those things cause carefulness. So here's the deal. He says, be, what's our Bible? We're, we're, we're preaching the Bible today. Paul telling us, be careful for nothing. All right. But, look at verse 6, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known finally to that counselor. God, the true psychologist, the true one who studies the soul and knows the soul and made the soul. Let your request be made known unto the, the chief psychologist, God. Prayer, the, the whole message is this. Prayer is God's remedy for our anxiousness. Now, you might be having too much caffeine. That You can kind of think through that. Or something else, or you're hyped out on sugar or you have some drugs that are really throwing you off, it was supposed to help, but it's actually doing the opposite, you know? I don't know, and I'm not trying to be everybody's doctor here. You... But on this note, we're on the subject that Paul brings up, that's what we'll deal with, is anxiousness and carefulness. God's remedy is prayer. Psalm 55, 27, cast, or 50, it's somewhere Psalm 55, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Really? That's what the Bible says. The remedy for anxiousness is prayer. So says the Bible. Pastor Henry, just kind of oversimplifying things. You know, you just, it's just, you just kind of oversimplifying it. And you know what? Sometimes I think the most important things are very simple. I, I, I have this theory that Christians don't fail in complex things. They fail in the very simple things. Just like our kids. What happened in school? How come he didn't pass? He probably didn't have his times tables down well. That's pretty simple. How come he's not doing good in school? He probably wasn't reading well. Oh, it's the simple things. Get him to read better. That has, has a, the simple thing of reading better has fruits that go forward. The simple thing of doing your times tables and learning how to add, subtract, multiply, divide, reduce fractions, those basic things, has greater implications later. Same thing with this whole idea of anxiousness. We're like We want to run to these other things. We want to run to these complex uh, um, ways to respond to our anxiousness and our anxieties and our mental health issues. We want to run. Before you run to those complex things, go to the primary simple thing. This is so simple, it almost sounds insulting. Do I pray before any of my problems? Now, that's what we're being told by Dr. Paul. And that's what he's saying. Prayer is a remedy. So here's the question, this is what we'll try to answer. Is what kind of prayer is the remedy? There's a kind of prayer. Now let, let's walk through it. Number one, we see that it's, it's a prayer that number one sees that God is available. 
That begins in verse 5. It's a statement before this other thing. The Lord is at hand. Do you see that verse 5? The Lord is at hand. doesn't necessarily mean that it has to connect to the previous statement there. It may, it might, it might connect to both. The Lord is at hand. It's a statement. That's nice. What does it mean when the Lord is at hand? It's right here. The Lord's at hand. Well, and then he says, and then he goes on, so be careful for nothing and everything by prayer. Let your request be made. He's right here. So what, you know, it really helps um, as it relates to anxiety and worry is to realize, wait, God's near. God's near. He's at hand. Just like with kids, isn't it? Like that. I think I mentioned this a while back. You know, kids get all worked up and everything. And it's like, hey, I'm right here. And they haven't even said anything yet. And it calms them down. The Lord is at hand. I'm glad for that. The Lord is at hand. He's available. Um, Jeremiah, I'm going to read. You can follow me if you want. Jeremiah 23. I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah is saying this to his fellow Israelis. And some of them were actually wanting to hide from God. But he says, Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. He says, I am a God at hand. Hand. I'm right there at hand. He's available. My wife sometimes will, you know, Friday, Saturday, she'll do some grocery shopping. She goes, she comes back, has uh, the groceries, unloads. I'm like, boys, go out there and help mom. And sometimes they're, they're not going out there quick enough, so I'm going out there. And, and, and Deb will have the groceries. She's like, nobody's helping me today. Come on. And I'm like, Deb, Deb, right here. I'm right here behind the bags. I'm here. I'm here to help. There we go. All right. So I'm telling the husband is at hand, you know. And so is John, Jim, Noah, Grant, not charity. And so anyways, uh, the Lord is at hand. He says, I'm a God at hand. Look in Psalm 139. What comforted David? Do you know David? David sometimes a little questionable mentally, wasn't he? That's why we, God put him in there so we can all relate with him. The way you read about David, you're like, David. He had his pendulum, and but you see God help him and Let's read about David, Psalm 139, where, great chapter here. He says, verse uh, 7, Psalm 139, verse 7, about God being near. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? How can I get away from God? Well, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there. Shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. David's saying, I can't get away from God's presence. And then this, way, and then this the tone and mood of this, is, it's comforting that I can't get away. God is at hand. So when you think about my anxiety and your carefulness and your anxiety, Prayer is the answer, and we got to first of all recognize God's near me. He hears my prayer. Number two, the next thing we see is what kind of prayer is this? It's a prayer that's all-encompassing. 
it encompasses everything. Back in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in every, everything by prayer. That's all encompassing. Everything means you can pray to God about everything. Isn't that a blessing? Is there some people you go to and like, I don't want to talk to you about that. Is that what they say to you? I'm sometimes like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you know, maybe at certain times. But God says, all right, let's talk about it. You know, somebody came up to G. Campbell Morgan. I think he was a British Bible teacher years ago. And they said, Mr. Morgan, should, I, should we only pray about the big things and not the little things when we pray to God? And he said, ma'am, can you tell me anything in your life that's big? To God? Spurgeon said, if, if anything's big to God, then God's not very big. Right? What's big to God? Nothing. So big or small, it's the same in everything by prayer and supplication, he says. So it's from, we want to see that God's available. Number two, I want to pray things that it's all-encompassing. 1 Peter 5.7, the Bible says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Every type of care I can cast on Him. George Mueller had a plaque with that verse on it, and he says, it matters to Him about you. He was preaching back to himself. It matters to Him, George, about you. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. It's all-encompassing. My wife and I had to deal with a, we're dealing with a billing issue with one of the hospital's Mercy Gilbert, it's going okay. There was just a few things about the billing. I had to do an emergency room visit last month. It was nothing big, but it ended up being fine. But we're dealing, because we're self-pay, we do have some help from Christian Healthcare Ministries that's helping us. But we're trying to get the bill honest. <laughs> and so there was a part on the bill that we didn't think was right. And so, so you know, and... Uh, so Deb and I go in there, we're like, all right, we're going to go talk to the billing office in person with the wife. You know, she's got this nailed down more than I do because I, she was dealing with, and I was back in the triage all uh, not doing the best. And so we go in there, I was like, wait, babe, wait, sit in the lobby here. Um, and let's just have prayer. We just sat down, all right, let's have prayer before we go talk to him. And that's what we did, sat down and prayed and go in there and have our things in order. And we talked to them and we had a, a lively but controlled conversation. I've, I felt better than the one that I prayed about at first to kind of get you toned down. And everything by prayer. That's what the Bible says. All Pray about everything. It's all encompassing. Number three, what kind of prayer should I engage in to help my anxiety? Number three, prayer as if it's an appeal. Number three, from the needy. You notice it said two words that seem synonymous for prayer. It says in everything by, what does it say? Prayer and supplication. It's, it's really a synonymous word for prayer, but it really has another flavor to it too. It has the idea of somebody's really, boy, you're poor. <laughs> you're supplicating. It's like, I have, a, I have a deficiency. Can you fill this? I have a, a supply list. I, I don't have enough supplies here. Supplicate. I'm supplicating. It's not just, in other words, Paul says, in everything by prayer, some Christians might think, oh, mm, more religious, ritualistic. Okay, that means in everything I run into the church building and do something or everything. Run. No, it's not just that. It's supplicating. It's just, you just need stuff from God. You're a poor beggar, you know. 
And that's what he's saying. Look in Psalm 142. When David was in a cave, Psalm 142, David had run from the current king. And um, he was sometimes had to hide in a cave from him. Psalm 142, verses 1, 2, and 3. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Now, he's a beggar too. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. Look at chapter. Look at the next chapter, chapter four, uh, uh, 143. Chapter 143 of Psalm 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear unto my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. I'm not coming to you because I think I've earned anything. We're not playing that game. You're the righteous one. And I'm just, you're, I'm just a supplicant. <laughs> and uh, if you enter into judgment, I won't pass it. But I'm just begging you. That's what he's saying. It's a prayer. So when we pray to our, in our anxieties and stuff, it's not that you... Sometimes when people go to prayer, well, I'm not worthy. I know. You're not. Neither am I. That's why it's like supplicate. Go as a beggar. That's what David is doing. It's an appeal from the needy. Number four, it's accented with gratitude. What kind of prayer is Paul saying, okay, we're going to take care of your anxiety. Don't ever have carefulness about anything. So you need to pray and here's how it works. And one of the ways it works is you accent that prayer with a little gratitude. Right? He says, and everything by, look back at Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, I got to have thanksgiving in the, in my tone, have it. I have to have my prayer seasoned with some thanksgiving. You know why? It's not because, yeah, God finally needs that. It's good for you. You know, it's good for you to, to have your prayers, no matter how bad it is, as you're going to prayer, you should, like you think, man, my life is terrible. That relationship's bad. I got no money here. That car's broken down. I'm tired of it. All right, God. Well, Lord, I do thank you for the friends I do have. Thank you that uh, I didn't get in an accident in that car. And thank you that my I can still bend the other knee. And, and thank you that I have some people that care about me. And you say some thanks first. And then it's like, now what was your problem? Um, okay, so, and then you pray about that. It's already done you good by doing that. Going to God about, you, in other words, you have the world on your shoulders. Okay, fine. You still go with that carefulness with <laughs> thanksgiving because there's something to say thanks about. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is giving thanks to His name, it says in Hebrews 13. It's therapeutic for us. Number five, what kind of prayer is Paul talking about? Saying, hey, anxieties, it's an issue. Prayer helps. It's a one. Number four, accented with gratitude. Number five, it truly addresses God. Look at this. Look what it says there. This is not hard stuff. Um, verse six at the end. What does it say? Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, we, we have prayer meetings in our church. And we make our prayer, our requests known to each other, right? 
and you call somebody and you text somebody and you post something, fine. Did you ever actually pray about it and make it known to God? Ah, that's where it matters. Let your requests actually be made known unto God. It truly addresses God. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. I'll read you there's a couple verses in Isaiah. The Israelites were running. They were making the requests known not to God, but to this place that had a good, they were good at making chariots and horses, training horses, and they had some fine linen and cotton down there. It was called Egypt. And the prophet had to say to the to the, to the Israelis, woe to them that run down to Egypt and trust in the shadow of Pharaoh and woe to them that are going down there. I'm trying to get to this verse here. It's in Isaiah 30, 30 and also in Isaiah 31. And the prophet said, he said, um, woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. He also is wise. Then it says, verse 3, Now the Egyptians are men and not God. Their horses are flesh and not spirit. In other words, the prophet was saying, Hey, my Israelis, why do you keep running down to Egypt for all this help? We haven't even looked to God. God says, you haven't looked to me yet. And that's what we sometimes do. We run to this person, run to that person, run to that person, and send out that prayer request and that prayer request. Wait first. Make it known. Let your requests be made known unto God. It says. And then number six, two more points here. What, is, what kind of prayer is this? It's the kind of prayer, number six, that, think about this, it answers my inside issues first. So as I'm praying, uh, back in Philippians, it says at verse seven, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? It didn't even, Paul says, hey, pray about everything and you'll get an answer to those things in the sense of you'll get, uh, finally you'll get that new car because you prayed for it. Paul's like, you know, it's going it's, to, it's, it's not about always changing your circumstance. It might just be about changing you. Verse seven, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God's answering my inside issue first. Prayer does change God. It changes, no, God doesn't change. It can change things. But sometimes the first thing prayer changes is me and you for the good. Isn't that good? This is very, this is a helpful, I know some of you, you've probably been living on these verses for the last month or two. Some of you for years. You're like, yeah, I know where you're at, Pastor. I can tell you more than what you're saying too. I bet you could. This is your therapist right here, isn't it? For many of us. Isaiah 26. You ever heard the song? Sometimes our pianist plays in our uh, prelude, Stayed Upon Jehovah. Uh, Stayed Upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed. Finding as He promised. Perfect peace and rest. That came from Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Uh, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, the Bible says. So this is, this is prayer helps my anxieties and yours. <laughs> and then last of all, it's, this is prayer though, this is kind of the key thing at the end. It's from one who's accepted Jesus as Savior. Look what it says. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is about a person who's in Jesus Christ and we're saved. 
I have to have Jesus Christ as my Savior to know this benefit here, to put it kind of roughly. You know, the Bible says in, in Romans 5, verse 1 and 2, therefore being justified, that means declared righteous, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also, that is, by, because I'm a Christian, by whom also and we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the benefits of this God helping our, yours and mine anxiety. He keeps the soul. I read about a guy named James. I think I've told you about him before. His name's James. He was in the early 1900s. He had a... Um, um, business, businessman. He actually was from a family, a long line of Baptist preachers. He, I don't think he was. A, I don't think he ever preached. But he grew up in a Christian family, had Baptist pastors in his heritage. and um, But now he's in business, and he grew up with deep convictions. He was unwaveringly honest. He never smoked or drank. He was a hard worker. But in 1929, when the Great Depression happened, James found himself in a crisis he made unwise commitments and they turned sour. He began to worry about, about these commitments, these business commitments, and he was unable to sleep. He developed a painful case of shingles and was hospitalized. His anxiety only increased in the hospital. And I go, that's not good. And his body even seemed to be resistant to tranquilizers and drugs. His mental state deteriorated so much until or deteriorated, I should say, until later he said in his own words, I was broken nervously and physically and filled with despair, unable to see even a ray of hope, had nothing to live for. I felt I hadn't a friend left in the world that even my family turned against me. That's how he felt as he's in this. And I think it was a uh, kind of a, it wasn't called a psychiatric ward. It was called something else in his day. And he's saying this. And then one night, um, he was so oppressed, he didn't think his heart would hold out for the next day. He thought he was going to die before the next morning. So he sat down and wrote farewell letters to his wife and his sons. And he did. He wrote them, but he lived through the night. The next morning, he could hear in the morning singing coming from down the hall of his room from the little hospital chapel. He could hear singing. And you can hear the words of the song, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's in this hymn book, but it says, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. And it goes on. He heard that singing, and it just captivated him. He goes, walks over there, and he sat down, heard, some, heard him sing more, heard them read Scripture, listened to some prayers. He said, quote, Suddenly something happened to me after I took, was taking all this in. This is his own words. He says, I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of darkness, the darkness of a dungeon into a warm, brilliant sunlight. All worry, he says, left him as he realized more fully that, than ever that how much the Lord Jesus Christ really cared for him. And from that day on, he says he was never plagued with worry. He called it the most dramatic and glorious 20 minutes of my life. And that's J.C. Penney. James Cash Penny, whose business you would know. Not that his employees are like that or anything, but he got out of it, didn't he? Isn't that good? God, God, has a, God has an answer. What do you do with your anxiety? 
Ask yourself, what am I really doing with my anxiety? Who do I make it known to? Well, you got the answer right here. God's remedy. 